Welcome to CypherVision and today's episode, Putting Passion in IP. I'm Nigel Schweitzer and joined by co-host Frankie Lavoie. Hi, Frankie. Hi, how are you, Nigel? I'm pretty good. I was just saying that my son did his first triathlon, so I'm a proud dad again. But down to business. Today's guest is Anjanet Lecher, Director, Intellectual Asset Management at Corning best known in the Schweitzer household as the defender of iPhones for all their work in Gorilla Glass. But of course, Corning is so much more than that. Uh, The technology behind glass, ceramics, optical physics, we'll hear all about that and with passion. Hi, Anjanette. Hi, Nigel and Francesca. It's really great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, thank you, Anjanette, for joining us. I'm pretty excited to be talking about putting passion into IP today and bringing that passion for IP to beyond the IP team and to the rest of the business. We should kick off with hearing a little bit about your background for our listeners. So could you give us a rundown of your career to date and what you've been doing at Corning? Great. My background is electrical engineering. I've worked for Corning now for 25 years Over 15 of those years focused on intellectual asset management. And prior to making the switch to IP, I worked in a variety of functions, corporate engineering group. I worked in production supervision in optical fiber, as well as our environmental products divisions. I also had an opportunity to work as an applications engineer in the automotive industry before my first role as an IP analyst in the specialty materials Gorilla Glass product line. We've had Bo Hyden on the podcast before, and he talks about the ideal person to work in IP. And when I listen to your career, I think he would just be delighted to hear what you've done because you've had a mixture of being an engineer, being on the production line manufacturing, and now looking after the IP that allows that manufacturing to happen. You must find that very useful to have a combination of all those things together. I do. I think that's the beauty of working at Corning is the ability to be able to take on a variety of roles and then finding where your passion is. What is your natural tendencies, abilities and interests? And mine happen to be as an IP analyst. So you found your way to being an analyst. Could we maybe talk a little bit about Corning and how the perception of intellectual property has changed over the time that you've been at Corning within IP? I think the value of intellectual property has evolved into a wonderful appreciation for the data analytics behind our competitive IP, as well as what does our own portfolio and IP strategies in each division provide. We have had the development of an IP strategy council in which key programs are invited to present to leadership members, including our CTO, our head of research development, and of course, our chief IP counsel. It's an opportunity for the teams to really work together to develop a comprehensive IP strategy. Could you talk a little bit about your role when you first started in IP and how that's developed over the last 15 years? My first role was an IP analyst in the specialty materials division, and my focus was on a new product called Gorilla Glass. At that time, about 15 years ago, the role of an IP analyst was not as prolific as it is today. There was just a handful of IP analysts in the company, and I 
took it as a personal mission to really understand the voice of customers. So what is going well? What would they like to see in order to be able to really provide value to the organization? Who were you defining as the customer and how, how did you seek that voice? The customer were, were different leadership members of the business unit that I was working in, whether it was commercial, a development lead, even the patent attorneys that supported the business unit, asking them what is it that they would like to see in the data analytics? How would they like it to be presented? And then I would try a variety of visualizations, different analytical approaches to patents. One might ask, how do you even analyze patents? But patents are still data. Once I realized how to take a large set of patents and summarize it in a manner that was important to the business, why do they care? Then I think I really began to truly appreciate the role Angela, this touches upon a theme that comes up all the time in the Cypher Vision podcasts around communication, being able to communicate outside the IP team to deliver information that's meaningful to the rest of the business. It feels that maybe Anjanette has cracked this here, Nigel. I think what Anjanette has cracked is listening skills. I mean, we're all quite good at talking, but are we all good at listening? You listened to the customer and you delivered to the customer in the form that they wanted. That, to me, just comes over really powerful, Anjanette. So congratulations. But it's a message for everyone. If you want the business to listen to you, why not try and present the data in the form they want to consume it? Thank you. I really enjoy it. And I think, as you're saying, the visualization of data is much more powerful than sending a spreadsheet or just sending a list of patents and saying, you should read these. It's really analyzing what the patents say and then presenting it in a manner that why should the business care? How much appetite do your business colleagues have for volume? And how much is it all about getting to that right data point? I think what the intellectual asset management function excels at is taking an enormous amount of data, analyzing the data, categorizing the data, and summarizing the data in a form that is digestible from the business. They don't need to see the 20,000 patents that you reviewed. They want to see the summary and why should they care? Why do I need to hear this? It's important for them to see the executive summary but it's also important for them to appreciate the fact that we have been rigorous and diligent in the review of the data and have come to the conclusion of the summary that we're sharing with them. So your team is called Intellectual Asset Management. Could you explain why and talk about the team a little bit? In the industry, we're known as IP analysts, IP engineers, but we wanted to make a distinction between our team and the attorneys. So we are typically engineers, some PhDs. We also have some patent agents in our group with the ability to speak several languages with the technologists, with the commercial team, and with the legal department. The term intellectual asset management really encompasses the value of patents as an asset to an organization. It is a key business asset. 
I know we always talk about the contribution that innovation makes to the value of organizations, but without putting you on the spot, Anjanette, I mean, how important is technology to Corning? Technology is the lifeblood of Corning. This is what has kept us around for over 175 years. We have several business units with very strong patent portfolios. So the fact that the company has invested in ensuring there's an intellectual asset analyst or manager in every single division to manage those assets in partnership with the patent attorney and the business, I think is a good indication that we value our technology enough to want to ensure we have the right resources in place to protect it. Angela, it's great to hear how you've created that passion for IP out with the IP department. And I think you're involved in a number of projects that is also about creating that awareness, that passion, that interest in IP to those underrepresented groups who are currently not working in IP. Could you talk a little bit about that? A few years ago, it was brought to my attention an organization called the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation. And our chief IP counsel, Tom Beal, is a board member of the parent organization, IPO, Intellectual Property Owners. The Education Foundation is an organization whose strategic mission is to create an awareness about the importance of IP with a focus on underrepresented or underserved communities. So when this was brought to my attention, how do we support the strategic mission of IPOEF, I was thrilled. I felt that this organization really spoke to me as a person coming from an underrepresented community, a tribal community, and I made it my mission that year to help support their strategic mission with a primary focus on tribal communities. How have you got involved with that initiative? IPOEF has several free materials, curriculum to educate the next generation of innovators. And we took this curriculum and the first place we started with was our local Girl Scouts. We would take the training material and present to the Girl Scout troops what is intellectual property, including patents, copyrights, trademarks, and the Girl Scout troops earn an IP patch for completing this session. The next place we went to was the Tuscarora Indian Nation, so my tribal community, and we presented to the fifth and sixth graders about what is IP. And we also tried to focus on explaining it and teaching it to them from their lens as Native American people. So what is it in their daily lives that surrounds them that has an element of intellectual property associated with it? Those projects sound brilliant. I hope that we all see the rewards of that very soon. I know you've also done some work with Suzanne Harrison with her diversity pledge. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about it and how Corning is getting involved. Corning signed on with the diversity pledge in late 2021 as a public commitment to studying, analyzing, and working to improve the gender disparity in our inventorship. And we have partnered with our diversity office, which are 
significant champions of our work here and applaud the lens that we are applying diversity to intellectual property. We have worked over the course of the past 18 months to understand what is our women inventor rate, which is the number of unique women inventors over the total number of unique inventors is 16%. That exceeds the US PTO reported average in their last progress and potential report, but it's just a start. We also have studied and analyzed our patents with women inventors, and that number is outstanding. It's a 34% value compared to what we see in the US progress and potential report of 22%. And that's the number of patents with at least one woman inventor. So for 2022, our values are promising, but we know we have a lot of work ahead of us. We've had some of the team from ADAPT on the podcast as well, talking about how you can improve diversity in the attorney pipeline. Is Corning doing anything in in that area specifically? We do have some initiatives in place to help create awareness of careers in IP. We are working closely with our local universities, such as Cornell University, to speak to their law department, as well as their diversity organizations, to encourage them to consider careers in intellectual property. We also present to our summer interns at Corning what is intellectual property, and we also do touch on this when we talk to the younger generation, the middle school kids, the Girl Scouts, the tribal communities about the importance of IP, as well as are you aware that you can become a patent attorney or making them aware of roles such as intellectual asset analyst or manager? Such a a great picture of how you're taking the IP awareness out so much further. That brings us to the topic of data, analyzing that data to get the information that you want. Why do you love data so much? It's a good question. I didn't realize I was so analytical by nature until I had the opportunity to work as an IP analyst. And so it was a great experience to take all of my prior roles in engineering, in production, manufacturing, and applications engineering, and really applying all of those experiences to data to understand what our competitors are filing. How are they filing? Where are they filing? Do they have alternative solutions? Analyzing it and presenting it in a way that makes sense to the business. Nigel, I think you must be in heaven hearing Anjanette talking about the fact that she loves data, but not just for data's sake, that it's actually being used for key business decisions. For those people who this is their first cipher vision, episode one of series one was called Storytelling with Data. And it tells the story about why Steve and I set up the company. And it was about cipher and the need not to have data for data's sake, but to have analytics on top of it to tell stories. I know you and I have had many conversations, Anjanette, about using analytics strategically. Maybe you could share with us how your relationship with Cypher has improved your capability. It is a gift to be able to present patent data in a form that is meaningful to the business. 
One of the examples is benchmarking with Cypher. And Cypher has published a lot of papers, technology trends, and we really learn a lot from these publications from Cypher. The beauty of Cypher is that you can put an enormous amount of data and it provides the visualizations for you. And so then you can more quickly get to the analysis phase of your study versus going through all of the manual iterations of data analysis and then work towards interpreting what does this data mean to me? What does it mean to my business? Cypher was one of the early implementers of machine learning technologies. Those approaches were regarded by many in the industry as being groundbreaking, but also a little bit scary. You are a great supporter of the Cypher team. We work together, we learn off each other. But what would you say to listeners who are about to embark on that journey of implementing new technologies, new approaches from Boolean to machine learning? What advice could you share? My advice would be to do your due diligence. We had a long journey to evaluate tools. What kind of tools do we need? What are the features that are must-haves? What features are nice to have? We were a little bit hesitant to embark on the machine learning journey because our history as a team is to analyze large amounts of patent data. And so the fact that Cypher can provide a result set so quickly, we really had to learn how to trust that data. And so we have spent half of our careers manually analyzing data, which is very time consuming because there's no shortcut to analyzing patents. Using machine learning to help you get to that analyze phase quicker is helping us become more efficient, more effective and do more. Thank you, Anjanette. I think there's definitely a message there for everyone who's feeling a little bit uh, hesitant to give it a go. So the next question I've got for you is, what, what do you think the future holds for IP? I think that the future holds a need for intellectual asset analysts, intellectual asset managers. The volume of patents continues to grow. We are seeing new entrants in more mature businesses. It's critical to be able to understand who is filing what, when, where, what are the technical solutions. And in order to understand that, you need to have the right tools and you need to have the right resources in place to analyze that data for you. And so I think the value of intellectual asset management will continue to grow. There wasn't many IP analyst when I first became one, and now we have a directorate. I think that's testimony to the fact that the role and the value that we're providing is just continuing to increase. It's impressive, Anjanette, for what you do and how you've gone about it. But now for the listeners, I have the challenge for you uh, to try and summarize it all in a key takeaway, a cipher vision for the listeners. My vision is that your listeners understand and appreciate the role and contributions and impact that intellectual asset analysts and intellectual asset managers make to the organization, and that these contributions are stronger and richer if coming from a diverse team, which I'm fortunate enough to have. 
when you say fortunate Anjanette, it sounds very deliberate. So thank you for that. Morning has had a culture of innovation for over 170 years. Anjanette's passion for intellectual property is contagious, but there's a hard edge to her narrative. IP remains a subject that is inaccessible, and not just for the underrepresented communities that Anjanette directly supports. It remains a topic where IP professionals need to learn the languages of business. And that's many dialects encompassing commercial, technical, as well as legal. What these communities have in common is the need for evidence to support strategic decisions. We are fortunate to live in an era where there is more patent data and advanced technologies to analyze that data. Thank you, Anjanette, for building a team that can create stories with that data. This will help ensure that Corning remains a world leader for decades to come. Thank you, Anjanette, for the conversation. Thank you for having me. It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for tuning into the Cypher Vision podcast series. Please continue the conversation on social using hashtag CypherVision and share your thoughts about today's episode on putting passion in IP.